Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me one last time to the book of Habakkuk, the Old Testament book of Habakkuk and Habakkuk in chapter number three. Habakkuk in chapter number three. We've been going through this series of Habakkuk with the idea of Lord send a revival. And in here, it doesn't sound like a, a the breeding ground of revival. Oftentimes we have the idea that revival comes when everyone's happy and everyone's smiling and the bills are paid and there's no persecution, there's nothing. But the book of Habakkuk finds a different scenario. You know when God brings revival? In the people's darkest time. In the people's darkest time is when revival comes. In fact, Habakkuk had spoken about this himself where he said in Habakkuk 3 verse 2, O Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years make known. In wrath, remember mercy. You know when revival was coming for the people of Israel, the people of Judah? Under God's wrath. When did revival come? When God was pouring out his judgment upon a nation. You see, what happened is that God's people finally got to, was finally had their attention on the Lord. God had successfully got their attention and they realized they need Jesus. They need the Lord. They need God to work. That circumstances have come that they can no longer control, that they can no longer work, they can no longer fix. And wrath, remember mercy. And we've gone through and we've explored that God is going to send the Babylonians to come and destroy the nation. He's going to drag them thousands of miles away. But then he is going to destroy that whipping rod that he used to chase on uh, God's people. But then we come to the very end of the book. Notice with me in the book of Habakkuk chapter 3. And notice with me in verse number 17. Habakkuk chapter 3 and verse number 17. Notice what it says. Although... The fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall the fruit shall fruit be on the vines. The labor of the olive shall fail, and the fields shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and he will make my feet like hinds feet, and he will make me to walk upon mine high places to the chief singer upon my stringed instruments. If you wouldn't mind, if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of Habakkuk chapter 3? Habakkuk chapter 3, and notice in verse number 18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. What we see here is a principle living in the yet. 
It is a decision that the prophet Habakkuk had made for himself to live in the yet. What does this mean? Well, notice the things that are going on in verse 17. He says, guess what? I'm going to give a list of all the things that could go wrong. Verse number 17. Although the fig tree shall not blossom. So remember, the fig tree is one of the the staple um, fruits of this land. Here, the, this is what they're exporting. This is what they're sending out. This is what they need for everyday life. Though the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines. The labor of the olives shall fail. The fields shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold. And there shall be no herd in the stalls. Verse 17, he says, guess what? If the money fails... The food fails. The economy fails. When my livelihood is gone. My finances is gone. Everything is taken away. If everything, the bottom drops out. Yet. Yet. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in God my of my salvation. This is called living in the yet. He made a determination that no matter what the circumstances. Now in verse 17 it's trying to cover all the circumstances of the everyday life of the people of those times. He said I'm going to say no matter what happens. I could be out of money. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord my God. I could lose my job. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord my God. The nation's economy can fail, yet I will rejoice in the Lord my God. I could be at the place where I can't make my house payment, yet I will rejoice in the Lord my God. When everything else is falling apart around me, yet I will rejoice in the Lord my God. This is living in the yet. This is a decision that you make that my hope is not in the economy. My hope is not even in my home. My hope is not in how much money is in the bank. My hope is not in the election. My hope is in the Lord my God. Because of that, I will rejoice. Now remember, what circumstances is he rejoicing in? When everything is failing. When everything is gone, when nothing is working out, I'm still going to rejoice. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord my God. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Now, when we hit this word joy, some people have misidentified it. And they misidentify it as happiness. This is not speaking about happiness. What is joy? It is a peace that passeth all understanding. It's a peace we have from God because we trust God. You know, you could be in a funeral and you could have joy. It doesn't mean you're smiling at a funeral. I'm so happy that she's gone. No, but you could have a peace that says, I know where she's at. I have a hope. That the Bible is true and I get to see her again. That is a joy. It is a peace that passes all understanding. It's a place. It's not saying it replaces mourning. Mourning is a natural thing. It's not saying to put on a happy face. 
It's even in the midst of mourning. I'm going to miss her. But I can still have joy. What this is determining is saying circumstances do not affect my joy. My joy is in the Lord. My joy is in God. My joy is the God of my salvation. Verse 19, the Lord God is my strength. The book of Nehemiah, which is the theme for next year, says it like this. The joy of the Lord is my strength. How can I go when everything falls? The joy of the Lord is my strength. The peace that comes from God because of who God is, is my strength. It's my comfort. It's where I get everything. Notice as it gives this illustration. He will make my feet like hind's feet. Hind is like a deer. And you can imagine a deer uh, it's, <laughs> who's on this rocky plain. Where, or wherever um, <laughs> this setting is, it's dealing with the hills and the, the mountains there in the Judea area. Uh, you have the Dead Sea. You have the cliffs. You have the hills that are there. And they would have these... Uh, deer that would actually jump on the mountains and go higher and get away from the prey and they would leap around <laughs> here it's talking about that I don't have to have my feet let it down and go oh how horrible but because of God everything could fall apart and I could still I could have joy I'm not weighted down I could be unburdened no matter how bad things are, because of who God is. That's who we're trusting with. It says, he will make me to walk in mine high places. Again, it has that same thing of this deer that's jumping in the high places. Uh, to be For the deer to be able to jump and find where they're supposed to, they can't be weighted down. They're going to have to be that light of feet. And it's giving this picture here. And it's saying here, I'm not weighted down. It's not a burden. The joy of the Lord is my strength. It is amazing to see how the Bible says this. The joy of the Lord is my strength. It's in Nehemiah. But notice with me, if you don't mind, I want to show you a couple other passages uh, dealing with this principle. Again, we'll cover these next year within our next theme. But notice with me in Exodus chapter 15. Exodus 15 is the first song that is recorded in the Bible. Remember, in Exodus 15, they just cross the Red Sea. They have just been delivered from Pharaoh and his army. And now as the Red Sea has overthrown Pharaoh's army, the people have crossed on dry land. They've watched the power of God. They immediately go to song. And notice with me, for running context sake, 15 verse 1, Exodus 15 verse 1. Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord and spake saying, I will sing unto the Lord for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown in the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song and he has become my salvation. Notice this phrase. This appears three times in scripture. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Notice these things that God has attributed. He is my strength. Where do we get the strength from? The joy of the Lord is my strength. The Lord is my song. 
Do you know that God is actually tying in this idea of music? In fact, whenever you see the thing most associated with the brand new life we have is associated with a brand new song. Those things are associated so many times within the word of God that if you want to see where you're standing at, if you're living in the yet, the question I ask you, can you sing? Can you sing? If you're in the midst of all of these horrible things, can you sing? Think about Paul and Silas. They have been beaten. They have been falsely accused. They've been thrown in a prison. And those prisons aren't nice, cute prisons. They're dungeons where the people are actually put in stocks with their legs outstretched. And they're forced to sit in the muck, in the mire, the refuge with the rats running around. Their backs are beaten. They're not in the very antiseptic sanitary conditions for their wounds. And you know what they do at midnight? Hey Silas, let's start singing. I heard an old, old story. How a Savior came from glory. How he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. And they start singing on and they may have started out pitiful, but in the midst of it, uh, all of a sudden they're shouting out so much that the whole jail heard them. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. Praise God. And they're excited. They're singing in the jail. They have no idea what's going to happen. They could be put to death. They've already been beaten. They're in the midst of everything that is wrong. But the joy of the Lord is my strength. The Lord is my strength and my song. And he is become my salvation. The Lord is my strength and my song. He is also my salvation. He's who I'm trusting. He's who I'm putting my dependence on. He's the one that I'm looking forward to. He's the one I'm trying to please. He's already promised me a home in heaven. He's already promised me forgiveness. That no matter what happens on this earth, I have the promise of eternal life. I can rejoice. I can have joy in the most awful of circumstances because of God. Notice with me, if you don't mind, Isaiah chapter 12. Isaiah chapter 12. We could see this same statement repeated in Isaiah 12. What a great message to end this series and then to give you the idea of the theme for next year and all the stuff you're going to hear next year. Isaiah chapter 12. Isaiah 12, and notice with me in verse 2, Isaiah 12 and verse 2, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. Why should I not be afraid? For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song, and he also is become my salvation. Oh, what a wonderful thing. 
that I will trust and not be afraid. What is this? This is living in the yet. This is saying, yet everything falls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord my God. Why? How? For, for the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also is become my salvation. There's a third thing, a third uh, verse where this phrase pops up at. Notice with me in Psalm 118. Psalm 118. Psalm 118, and notice with me in verse 14. Psalm 118 and verse 14. The Lord is my strength and song and has become my salvation. You say, all right, well, what's the context? The context is David is all by himself. Everyone's abandoned him. He's on the run. He was promised to be king, but instead he is far, far away from being king. He's been abandoned. He's been lied to. Everything is falling apart. And yet in the midst of this, he says, The Lord is my strength and my song. And has become my salvation. What is he doing? He's living in the yet. He's already made a decision that no matter what happens. No matter how bad things get. I don't have to let that determine my joy. God determines my joy. I'm trusting in God. Living in the yet. There was a bunch of preachers who were lining up to see the old preacher John R. Rice. And they were all in line getting John O'Rice to sign their Bible and talk with them. And John O'Rice had saw a man that he uh, had recognized. And he, so he asked the guy, oh, how are you doing? How are things going? And the guy kind of shrugged his shoulders and sighed said, well, I'm doing all right under the circumstances. Well, John O'Rice just looked over his glasses at him and said, what are you doing under them? Meaning that what are you doing living under the circumstances? We don't have to live under the circumstances. The circumstances do not determine my joy. It does not determine the peace that I have. The peace of God passes through all understanding because I trust in Him. The Lord is become my strength. The Lord has become my song. The Lord has become my salvation. I'm living in the yet. Now all that's introduction. What a good introduction. Why is it that we can live in the yet? Because our, circumstances do not determine my joy. May I say that my feelings don't even determine my joy. What determines my joy? God. We, because of who God is, He determines my joy. Why can we rejoice in God? Well, first of all, we rejoice because He is able. We rejoice because he is able. Whatever the need, God is able to meet it. God is able to meet it. God can. There is nothing too big that God cannot handle. There is nothing too big that God cannot answer. There is nothing too big that God cannot deliver you from. God is able. He is able to do. God is enough. He is able. The book of Ephesians 3.20. You don't have to turn there. But for time's sake I'll say. 
it says that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above. God is able. What's another reason why we can rejoice in God? Why is it that God is my strength? That God is my song? That God is my salvation? What is it that we could live in the yet and determine to rejoice in God? Well, not only because we could rejoice because he's able, but we're able to rejoice because he's available. He's available. He will never get a Disney single when you try to get a hold of God. You will never get to the place where you have to press one for English, two for Spanish. You never have to go through any other person. He's always available. When Habakkuk is crying out to God, he's not speaking to the air. He's speaking to a real being who listens and cares. He is able. And God has made himself available. Remember Jesus said, come unto me. All ye that are <coughs> that labor, and I will give you rest. He says, I'm available. His arms are stretched out and said, Come to me. I will help you. I'm available. He's never on vacation. He's never sleeping. You'll never bother him. Even if you call him a hundred times in one day, he'll not get annoyed with you. He is available. 24-7, in the middle of the night when you can't sleep, he's still waiting. He's still there. He's always available. He doesn't have business hours. He is always available. Think about Jesus and his earthly ministry and the woman who had the issue of blood. And he reached out and touched her. Or she reached out and touched him. He stopped. And he took time for her. She was a nobody, but he stopped all of the busyness. He still had Jairus trying to pull him to get him to save his daughter from the sickness she had. And he stopped and he took time for that little woman who had the issue of blood. He is available. My wife describes it like this. It's like... As busy as God is, imagine a castle with a king in it. And there's a lot of things that need to be taken care of in the kingdom. But when you approach the king, it's as if there's nothing else in the world that matters but you at that time. He has, you have his undivided attention. It's not like some people when you talk on the phone that they're playing solitaire or they put the phone down and pick it up every now and again and go, uh-huh, and put it back down. He's not distracted. He's not playing on his phone and going, yeah. You have his undivided attention when you talk to him. He is available. Why is it that we can live in the yet? Why is it that the joy of the Lord is my strength? The joy of the Lord is my song. The joy of the Lord is my salvation. Why is it that we can rejoice when everything is falling apart? We could rejoice because he is able. We could rejoice because he's available. We could also rejoice because God is always the same. We could rejoice because God is always the same. <laughs> Jesus never changes. That's one of the qualifications of being perfect. 
Because he's perfect, he doesn't change. If something changed, it wasn't perfect. Jesus never changes. We don't have to worry. He's always going to be the same. We're not going to get a replacement Jesus. He's not going to wear out. He's not going to get tired. He's always going to be the same. He's always available. You know, Job makes this observation in Job 14.1 where he says, Man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. We have difficulty after difficulty after difficulty after difficulty. With every difficulty, God is always there. We can rejoice because he's always the same. We call upon him, he can hear. Oh, we have to realize that this world, the dark clouds are never going to rise away until the trumpet sounds and he comes back. You, there's a misnomer that when you become a Christian that everything becomes roses and everything's nice. Well, that's not what the Bible says. You still live in this life. And the rain falls upon the just and unjust alike. Problems still arise. Your, your life is going to be trouble after trouble after trouble. But we don't have to allow those troubles to determine God doesn't want us to be spiritual schizophrenic where we're happy, sad, happy, sad, happy, sad, almost as if we're manic. But no matter what happens, the good time and the bad, we can rejoice in the Lord because of who God is. God is always good and always right. He's good and right when things are going well in our life. He is still good and he's still life when it seems like things are falling apart. He is still God. Circumstances do not determine our joy. God determines our joy. Our trust is in Him, not in things. Our trust is in Him, not the economy. My trust is in Him, not how full my bank account is or how empty my wallet is. My joy is in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I'm so thankful for this principle. Now, I could say it theologically and you could nod your head, but you have to make the determination yourself. You have to make the decision yourself to live in the yet. I can't make this choice for you. You have to determine that my trust is in God even when my vehicle doesn't run. My joy, my peace comes from God even when my tire goes flat and it's raining outside. My, I could live in the yet when I get the big bill that I was not expecting in the mail. Circumstances do not determine your joy. God determines our joy. But you have to make the choice to live in the yet. You have to make the choice that you're going to determine to trust God and look at him and rejoice in him when everything else doesn't seem to work. This is what Habakkuk says. When Habakkuk's writing at the end of the book, it's not like a fairy tale where everything's <laughs> um, happily ever after. As the book of Habakkuk closes... Persecution is still on the horizon. Destruction of his country is still right there. You could hear the hoofbeats. He's not writing and said, yet I'm going to rejoice in the Lord my God because everything worked out. He's saying, I'm determining as I'm seeing the Babylonians coming over the ridge 
they're not determining my joy. God's still on the throne. I can trust him when the Babylonians are coming. I can trust him when the temple is destroyed. I can trust him when my countrymen are slain beside me. I can still trust in him when people are enslaved and brought away. I'm determining now as I see them over the horizon. I'm living in the yet. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord my Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.